Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. If you will, we are still on our series to live as Christ. And uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2, last uh, service we talked uh, about just uh, Philippians chapter 1. We went through and, and we discussed what really matters most. And we talked about, well, obviously reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ is what matters most, but what, what can facilitate, what can help us to actually focus on what matters most? And we talked about overflowing love, not just hearing about love, not just acknowledging, yes, I should love people, but actually taking that step forward and doing it. Uh, we talked about a scriptural perspective, how if we're to, to really move forward with a scriptural perspective for our life, an understanding of what the word says and how it applies to our lives, how that would completely and radically change the way that we would live. And lastly, we talked about the working of the Holy Spirit. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to really move in us, uh, to lead and to direct and to guide us, that when that happens, we're going to begin to see a focus on really what matters most, reaching people who don't have the hope and the love of Jesus Christ uh, more than we've ever seen in our life before. And so tonight, we're going to move forward and uh, we're going to be discussing overcoming the fear of sacrifice. Uh, I just want to define sacrifice before we, we continue. It says, uh, to give up something important or valued for the sake of other considerations. Another definition that takes that a little bit further is an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. How many baseball fans do I have in here? Any baseball fans? Okay, we've got a couple. We've got a couple baseball fans. Let me tell you who's not a baseball fan. This guy. I don't really know that much about baseball. I played baseball when I was a kid. Um, I had this really gnarly, mean, like, coach who, uh, you know, he's, like, always, like, tobacco was, like, here. And he's, like, cigar. You got to bat better, kid, you know. And, and it was, uh, so I kind of stopped baseball after that. It was kind of a terrifying experience for me. Uh, but my brother was, he was amazing at baseball. Uh, he, he's pretty, he, if you guys have met Aaron, he's this big stocky guy. And he was, he was 190 pounds of muscle when he was 13. So on this children's, like, you know, baseball team, he's smacking things out of the park, like hitting home runs. He was like David Ortiz for, for like our team. Like he would get up to bat and everybody would be like, oh, they'd be like backing up. And he hit out of the park all the time. And it was just crazy because I, I never hit the ball. Out of like the, the two seasons that I played, I never hit the ball. I just, I just, I had a good eye. So I would just walk all the time and just get onto the base. And I was a good base runner. Um, so anyway, I'm saying all this. Why are you talking about baseball? This is crazy. Uh, have you ever heard of a sacrifice bunt? It's a play in baseball. And I had to look up the definition of it because I really don't know baseball that well. Uh, but I've heard the term since I was, you know, I was in it when I was a kid. Uh, but the definition of it is a bunted ball that puts the batter out but allows a base runner or runners to advance so in essence looking at this idea of sacrifice the value of the runners getting further on the bases is more valuable than the out that's given up by the, the batter and so you see the idea of sacrifice here being translated that Okay, we have something here that's important. It's, he's a batter, 
and, and, and we have an out that's also really important to us. But for the sake of those runners, advancing them so that we get a shot at, at bringing them home, sacrificing this out, sacrificing this batter, is, it, yes, it's a sacrifice. But there's a greater good, I guess, if you could say, that, that's out there. There's a, there's a reason, a more worthy cause that this sacrifice is, is proceeding towards. So how does this translate into our faith? Well, let's go back to the definition. Sacrifice is the act of giving up something valued. And oftentimes, I think this really comes to our own desires. Um, that's, uh, how, many, how many find your, uh, your desires valuable to you? They're your desires. They're very valuable to you. And oftentimes, sacrifice in, in our faith, it comes down to us giving up something that's value to us, our own desires for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. And I'd say that that'd be God's desires. Christ's desires for our, for our own life. Why, why is this so difficult, right? I mean, if a baseball player is told like, all right, man, we're going to need you to sacrifice bunt. He's going to be like, all right, let's do it. And then the moment God <laughs> puts something on our heart and we have to sacrifice, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. And, and, and could, you imagine, I'm, could you imagine a batter whose coach says, all right, at this moment, for the, for the good of our team, for the sake of us maybe pulling out a win because it's a tight one, we need you to sacrifice bunt. And he says, he says, okay, okay, whatever. He gets out there to the plate and then all of a sudden he says, you know what? I could do this. I could, I could hit this home run. I could win us the game right here. I could put it on my own shoulders and I can do this. And they, he pumps himself up, strikes out. I mean, what would happen to that guy? He'd get reamed out by the coach. Same coach that was coaching me, yeah. <laughs> do this better. Um, and so we, we see this in our own lives, we see this in our own relationship with Christ, I think. How many times we've tried to hit that home run, try to put it on our own shoulders, try to win the ball game for us. God, don't worry about it. I can take care of this. I know that you want me to give this up, but, but I can put this on my own back. I can hit this home run, and then I'm going to be a hero. Let me tell you, being the hero is always more fun. It's more gratifying than being the sacrifice. And oftentimes, the reason why we pick us over what God wants for us is because we want to be the hero. We want to be the one who people look at and go, yeah, great job, you did that. We want to hit that home run. But God is calling us to something much different. He's calling us to sacrifice. And so why don't we begin Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1 to verse 8. It says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. 
Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you that your word has the power to save, that your word has life within it. And God, right now, I pray that you would convict our hearts through the preaching of your word this evening. God, that every word that is spoken is not spoken from me, but it's spoken from the Holy Spirit. Lord, that through your word, through, through the study of Scripture, that it would lead us to repentance. It would lead us to transformation. It would lead us to a renewing of our mind, O oh God. Father, I pray that we would be drawn ever so close to you, O oh Lord. And I ask, God, that tonight your word would do a work in our heart. God, we pray that, that we would be fertile ground, Lord, that, th that this word would, would sink deep within our heart. God, that, that we wouldn't be resistant to the word, but we would receive it, it would take root, and that it would grow within us, that there would be fruit produced because of this word tonight. We give you thanks, praise, and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So we're talking about overcoming the fear of sacrifice. I think we could all be honest with ourselves and say sometimes we're afraid of what that means. We're afraid of that word because it means that, that we're going to have to give up something. It means that we're going to have to let go of something, and that's hard. It might mean that we have to let go of being the hero. It might mean that we have to let go of our finances. It might mean that we have to hold to a standard in Scripture that we find very difficult. We're afraid of sacrificing. Sometimes it's going to be our convenience that we have to sacrifice. It's going to be a situation that's going to cause us to spend more time than we, we let's be honest, than what we really would like to with someone or for someone doing something. Because we get so caught up in our own schedules and what we have going on. And I think that, that the busyness of life has really played into a lot of the dis different aspects that we're going to hit um, in the next two weeks. But the first thing, and really what I want to address, is a couple different aspects of overcoming this fear of sacrifice. Uh, things that we need to understand if you want to overcome that fear, if you want to be a person who truly lives life for other people, who lives life for Christ to build the kingdom of God, right? We're, we're, we're building off of last week, right? Last week, what matters most? Well, people, people who don't know Jesus, people that God has placed in our life, our church family, those around us, building up, edifying them. Those are the people that matter most, living a life of love, living according to the scripture, letting the Holy Spirit work through us. So now we come to this point of, but now I'm afraid to do that. I'm afraid of what that means for me. I'm afraid of what I'm gonna have to give up in order to do what matters most. And to, to really understand this and to really let this sink deeply within us, 
we have to come to a realization of a couple things. And the first thing that we have to realize is that overcoming the fear of sacrifice means walking in unity. And that's a tough one. Overcoming the fear of sacrifice means walking in unity. We have to recognize unity is impossible without relationship with Christ. And, and in this passage, Paul speaks to the Philippian church. And before he addresses anything about unity with each other, he does something very interesting. He appeals to their relationship with Christ. Paul begins his discussion on unity by appealing to the Philippians' relationship in Christ. He does not focus on their relationships towards one another. Biblical unity is not dependent upon natural oneness, but upon supernatural bonding. I want you to get this, all right? He's talking to a church right now. He's, he's gone through what matters most. He's been kind of sharing with them how, how they need to love, how they need to do these things. And now he comes to the point when, he, when we're talking about the body of Christ here. We're talking about each other. If we're going to localize this, if we're really going to make this applicable to us right now. We're talking about everybody in this room, back and forth. Let's look at each other, just kind of eye the person up next to you and give them like a weird look. But we're talking about each other. He's talking to the church. And he appeals to the church's relationship with Christ. And, and so, in this idea of walking in unity, and, and the idea of how it's impossible to walk in unity unless we have a relationship with Christ, I want to talk about four results of being in relationship with Christ. And we'll, yeah, we'll catch up here. Four results of being in relationship with Christ. And the first is encouragement. Right? He says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? And I just want to read a couple scriptures here. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 5.24 says, Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word, believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Romans 8.1 and 2 says, So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Paul isn't asking, is there any encouragement in Christ and wanting them to be, like, is he curious? Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? He's not asking that question. He's not like, he's not literally saying, wait a second, let me think about this right now. It's as if he's asking a question rhetorically saying, well, duh, duh, there's encouragement from having relationship with Christ. And this logic, this like, duh, follows each and every statement that follows. I was reading and studying on it, um, and I think Keith, Cr Keith Krell, I have a, a quote from him as well that we'll get to later, but he, uh, he says, 
you know, if I was a youth pastor and, you know, he was, if he was saying to them, well, if you've, if you've grown in worship, if you've enjoyed the messages here, if you've, you've experienced God in, in a way that transforms you, when you go to college, make sure you get plugged in to a church. He's not asking them if they've actually enjoyed it, if they've actually grown. He's assuming it. And that's what Paul's doing here. He's assuming the certainty of encouragement in their life because of their relationship with Christ. And so with that in mind, we're going to carry that over into each thing. So he assumes, certainly, you are encouraged in Christ because of your relationship with him. Second, certainly, you have comfort from his love. Pastor Gary, I think it was this past Sunday or the Sunday before, he read out of Romans 8. And I got to tell you, I love Romans 8. Uh, verse 38 and 39, it says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, I don't think there's no more comforting scripture in regards to Christ's love for us than that. Of course, there's comfort from his love. Of course, there's comfort from relationship with Christ. He moves on and says, any fellowship together in the spirit. And that Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, is defined as the share which one has in anything. The share in which one has in anything. Participation. All right, that's the definition. And I, you know, Pastor Gary the other day was just kind of giving me a, a, a he was breaking me in, coming to uh, you know, fidelity and, and stocks and bonds and all that stuff. And, uh, and so he was telling me about shares and how with stocks and all that stuff, you, you, you buy a share from a company. And so as soon as I read this, it like instantly popped up in my head, the share which one has in anything. And I started thinking about stocks. Like, if I was to go out and I was to buy some shares from, like, Apple or from, like, Microsoft, I'm just going to hit both sides of the fence so that I don't uh, offend anyone. Glory to God, yeah. <laughs> so, if I was to buy some stock in Apple or, 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 uh, or Mac, uh, Macintosh, woo, Microsoft, sorry, Microsoft, I would, have, I would have a share, right, for that company. I would have a share in that company, and, and so... To give a, a quick definition of this, a share represents a claim on the company's assets and earnings. And so as you require more shares, your ownership stake in the company becomes greater. So get this, ownership leads to participation. I'll say that again, ownership leads to participation. When I'm invested in a company, I'm a little bit more concerned about that company's success now. I'm going to be keeping up tabs on how Apple and Microsoft are doing. I want to, I want to see how things are going. I want, to, I want to see, okay, like, is there something that it, even I could do 
to make sure that this is going to keep trending, that I can make more money and that this goes well for me. Another cool thing is I can start talking to people who also have stock in, in Apple or Microsoft. I can talk to them about how they like the, the vision of the company. You know, what, what they think is, is going to be a successful move for them. We can talk about technology. We can talk about how we could get more involved. We can tell other people to buy shares and stocks for these. You get where I'm going here? Fellowship. It's ownership. It, it, it's, it's feeling like you, you have a piece, you have a part in something. And that's exactly what we're supposed to be as the body of Christ. God has designed it in such a way that as we're together, we begin to feel as if we have a part. We have a share in something. That, that because of this thing that we have a share in, we can now talk with each other about the vision that Christ has for our life. We can talk with each other about how we can get more involved, what we can do for the glory of God. We can even tell other people about how they too can have a share in this community. I'm talking about fellowship. This is, this is the epitome of what it means to be the church. This is the epitome of what it means to be community. To, to feel so in it. To feel so a part of it. To feel like you own it. And that's what I want for this ministry. That's what I want for this church is for this body of Christ to recognize that they have ownership in what's going on here. That they have ownership. That they could be a part of what God is doing in Manchester. That they can be a part of what God is doing through this church in Manchester. And it just comes when we begin to catch a greater vision of what God could actually do in us as a church. Paul saying... Because of your relationship with Christ, is there any fellowship together in the Spirit? Now, this is, this is a, a second thing that I want to hit on here. If Paul's assuming these as like, duh, statements, if he's assuming that this is something that is certainly taking place, because of your encounter with Jesus Christ, fellowship community is something that should be taking place let me tell you we need to be a support to each other it's got to be more than just friday night it's got to be more than just sunday morning and that's something that you know as god brings us as we're saved as we encounter the hope of jesus christ one, yes, it does bring us into commonality. We do have a share in the fact that we can talk with each other and we can exhort one another. If I was to go up to, to somebody who, you know, wasn't in relationship with Jesus Christ, we'll just use the Christianese real quick, all right? You know, everybody, Christianese, it's like things Christians say that nobody else understands. So most of us have been in church for the most, most part. So if I say I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb, then I get an amen, hallelujah. But... If I go to somebody who has no idea what I'm talking about and I say, bro, I'm washed in the blood of the lamb, you're going to be like, you freak, get away from me. Like, what are you doing? Don't even touch me. So we, 
we have that commonality, right? So there's, there's an understanding in Scripture. Maybe that's a horrible example. It probably is. But in the sense that we can talk about Scripture, and because most of us have, have really been in Scripture, and that's something that we, you know, we're, we're in and we're trying to grow in, you know, there are concepts that we can talk about and discuss. How many have ever gone over to somebody that you barely know, you're both Christians, and then you just start talking about the Word of God, and then all of a sudden you have a conversation that goes on for like hours? It's happened to me. Why? How in the heck is that possible? It's because there's a commonality in Jesus Christ. And that is something that we all share. What I want to encourage is that we pursue that, that commonality to even greater lengths. So, to the point where there's that investment on our side, where we, we really feel that tug to be a part of each other's life. To have ownership in the success of people around us, right? Because if, if fellowship means a share in, in, in anything, right? So if we're talking about our faith, and, and each one of you guys have a share in the faith of the community, then you're going to care about George and what George is going through and things that are taking place in George's life. And you're going to want to make sure that George is succeeding in his life because you have a share in that community. You have a share in what's going on in your church body. You get what I'm saying? So that's what we really need to begin to develop and foster is that we, we are not only just, we're not only like, oh, you know, that's great. He's, you know, he's going through this. But we're asking the question, how can I get involved? How can I make this better? How can I, how can I help him succeed? And that's what the church is all about. So he calls us to fellowship. This is something that is a result of our relationship of Jesus Christ or with Jesus Christ. And, and lastly, he talks about compassion. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Paul assumes that the Philippians have compassion because of their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I think about us, like, goes hand in hand with what I just said. That if you're not being moved for people, especially your brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're not being moved for the people in the church, how are you going to be moved for people outside of the church? And that's, that's what, what Christ is calling us to. That's the, even the heart that he desires to, to put within us and has put within us the moment that we experience the hope of Jesus Christ. But sometimes we can forget it. Sometimes we can let things pop up and distract us from actually being compassionate to people. All these characteristics are simply results of our faith, a product of being saved. And Paul's saying, because I know you have all these things, Make my joy complete by showing the work God has already done within you. That leads to my second point is that unity brings direction. And I think this is really important in the, in the sense that when we're talking about direction, what we really mean. And I want to just read just what he says after make my jo joy complete. So if you go back to verse 2, it says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Talk about agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Looking at that statement, at glance, you could be like, whoa, like, what does that mean? Agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. But when you do a little bit of, of digging, and, and 
New American Standard uh, Bible says, being of the same mind. The Greek for that phrase is defined as agreed together, cherishing the same views or being harmonious. Being harmonious. I like music. I play music. I sing. It's, it's, it's something that I love. Uh, I just love to worship. And um, me and my wife are blessed to, to be a part of just uh, the worship here at our church. And, and I think uh, instantly when I read the definition, uh, har- harmony. Harmony. How many know what a harmony is? Got a couple people that know what a harmony is. Harmony is it's a beautiful thing because it's, it's individual notes coming together to form a beautiful sound. And I can't really explain it very well, so I want to show you. When you think about harmony, like I said, individual notes, I'm going to play a C chord for you. That's a C note. That's an E. And that's a G. Individual notes that all carry a different sound, but together they make a chord. A single chord. And I started thinking about, wow, How beautiful is it that God has created us individuals? Yes, we are different. Yes, we come from different backgrounds. Yes, we come from different maybe cultures, from different ways of life. Yes, we're talented in different areas. We can do things maybe stronger or better in certain ways that other people can do and we are weaker and less talented in other ways that other people are. And yet somehow we can all come together under the unity of Jesus Christ and make a single chord. I don't think that God's called us to uniformity. I don't think that he's called us to, you know, look the same, talk the same, walk the same, act the same, think the same, in that sense. I do believe that that we are all different. And I think that sometimes, instead of recognizing that we have different personalities, different backgrounds, different family lives, and instead of coming together and making a beautiful harmony before God, It's like a scary movie. (laughs) It's jazz. That's called dissonance. Dissonance is when notes conflict. And I think sometimes in our relationship with Jesus, 
When we step forward and we begin entering into relationships with people, we begin focusing on what those people aren't. We begin focusing on on how they think. We begin thinking about how they're not the way that they need to be. They're not the way that that I am. And then we begin to create this horrible sound of dissonance because the focus is no longer on Jesus Christ. The focus is on how that person isn't like you. The focus is on how that person is doing everything wrong or thinking the wrong way or not being like me. And we're not creating a harmonious sound that's pleasing to God. God desires that we come together and that we unite under the message of Jesus Christ and the truth of Scripture. Now, I'm not saying that you agree with people that are following a way that's counter to the Scripture. But I am saying that if you guys are following the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, and that you have the gospel message in your heart and you're proclaiming that, please don't sweat the small stuff. Can we stop sweating the small stuff? Can we stop focusing on our differences of opinion and things that are dividing us? For me, I, I guess I see the, the damage that it does. Are we so concerned about reaching the lost and being the church that our focus on our differences fades away? Or are we so concerned about our differences that our focus on reaching the lost and being the church fades away? Think about it. The more that we focus on how different they are, on how he said this or she said that or they did this to me and and I could never do that or forgive them, the more that we focus on our differences, the more that we focus on how, well, they don't do this like I do, the more we lose sight like of the gospel. Because I guarantee you, the more you focus on the gospel, the less you're going to care about that stuff. Because it's not even going to be a priority. Because literally your mindset's going to come back to, I don't have time for that. There are so many more important things for me to be doing. And to overcome this fear of sacrificing we have to realize that it is going to call us to walk in unity. And that means that we begin to look at the big picture and stop focusing on these small, tiny little things. Because the enemy, I'll tell you what, uses, he uses those little things where you begin to pick and prod at all these little things and people that you see. Remember when we talked about vision? couple I think about a month or two ago and I talked about glasses and the scratches and if your vision's impaired if you begin to look at people those people have scratches on them they if you have scratches on your glasses the way that you view people if you have scratches on them you're going to think that the issue is is them but how many how many know sometimes that the issues with you you've got some scratches on your glasses you got to take care of them first you know, it's just like that log in the eye, right? You got to take care of the log in your own eye before you can help a brother out. And so 
This is an important part of, of sacrifice because I think one of the things that's hard for us is, is giving up what we want to give up for the sake of, of people around us. The other thing he calls us to is loving one another. And we just talked about this last week, so I don't, or last month rather, and we've really been driving it home in connect groups. But I really want to, I really want to continue to encourage, uh, to just encourage all of you guys to keep that image of overflowing love in you. Don't let it, don't just hear a message about how you need to love people and just agree with it and then just move on with your life not loving people because we all have done it because we've heard plenty of sermons on it and we all say, yep, yeah, it's totally true. I need to be doing it but it, doesn't, but it doesn't carry with us in our lives. And so not just to see it and say, okay, yeah, I, I should love people but to truly do it. Look for opportunity. Understand that the weight of sincere love uh, and, and do it according to, to Christ's definition, right? While we were still sinners, he died for us. He did it when we were against him. And so we're talking about loving each other, right? Paul's talking about loving the body of Christ. This isn't even getting to the point where you're loving your enemy. This is something that we need to begin to develop and, and foster with each other. And then lastly, working together with one mind and purpose. And I think about the body. Paul talks about the body and how we're all different parts, right? How the eye can't say to the foot, I don't need you. And, and, you know, going back and forth saying, well, I don't need this person or I don't need that person. But to recognize that each part, yeah, there are some that do more before your eyes there there are some that seem more important than others you know how many how many and now i'm just going to you know i'll just say this how many armpit hairs wish that they were the hands i mean do you see the hands they get to clap they get to pick things up they get to bring food to the mouth Hands are really important. I want to be the hands. I'm stuck in this armpit. <laughs> How about this? Even greater. I could put all the attention on these hands, right? Hands, that's what plays the guitar. Hands is what I feed myself with. I do like my hands. And there might be different parts of my body that are jealous of the hands because of how much attention they get. If I get a paper cut, I'm like... I'm flipping out. It's just a little cut, but man, these are my hands. And I wonder how many times we have a person who's a heart. And they don't know their value as the heart. And they're wanting so badly to be a hand. Look at how much attention that hand gets every single day. Look at how much people see that hand worked. Look at how, how people watch him play the guitar and how that left hand just, well, we're talking about Shane now, tickles those strings and, and, and picks those leads so eloquently. How many people are the heart but they don't even see the value in who God created them to be? And how we are chasing so hard for that attention sometimes. We want those public hands 
We want that position where everybody sees what's going on. Man, I wish I was the face. Everybody gets to see the face. But we don't stop and think about the value of who we are, who God created us to be, the fact that we're the heart, probably the most important integral piece of a person's body, and yet we're so stuck on being the hands, so stuck on being the public figure, so stuck on the position. But God is calling us to sacrifice. And I know I need to stop here. Do not miss next week because we're going to be hitting the most important aspect of being a Christian. The most important aspect of being a believer in Christ is humility. Your walk with Christ, I'm telling you, if you don't walk in humility, it could destroy your productivity for the kingdom. I mean, it could take you off the rails and make you completely ineffective, ineffective rather, for the kingdom of God. So don't miss next week when we get together and we talk about humility. All right, we're talking about overcoming this fear of sacrifice. You have to get to the point where you recognize the value of who you are in the body of Christ. That you begin to take your part. You recognize God, God hasn't created each one of us to all be the same. And so what we need to see is what God, what God has created in me. So many people, even probably in this room, will look at how God has created them and say, I don't like this. I don't like this. I need to be this. I need to be that. There's a confidence that needs to take place in our hearts and if Shane, if you want to come up and maybe play uh, the guitar, and Kristen, if you want to come as well. I do want to give a, a, a call tonight because we're talking about sacrifice. And let me tell you, if you don't begin to see your share in this, if you don't begin to see your part to play in this, if you don't see the value that you have in the body of Christ, it makes it difficult to sacrifice. One, because you don't feel like you even have anything to give up. You don't feel like you have anything to bring to the table. And if that's the case, then you're going to be stunted. God, I can't do this. I can't give this. I can't give this up. I don't have enough to offer. And that's why it's so critical that you understand how important you are in the body of Christ. How critical you understand your part to play in this. And so what I want to do first is, if there's anybody here, we started about Paul talking about people who, are, who were already in relationship with Jesus Christ how they were encouraged, they were comforted, how they had fellowship with each other, how they had compassion. So what I want to do is first ask if there's a person or a people in this room that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You haven't experienced that encouragement, that comfort from his love, that fellowship with, uh, with a community of believers, that compassion for people who are hurting and in need. 
If you haven't experienced Christ's love, if you haven't entered into relationship with him and that's something that you would want to say, yes, I want to make that decision tonight. Could I just see a hand raised anywhere? Amen. Amen. Second call is you have made that decision and you recognize within yourself that you need some direction in your life. You need some direction in your life. And I'm talking about the direction that Paul is speaking of. Direction in the sense that I'm moving forward with the big picture. That I'm focusing on what God is going to do in my life and what matters most. Making a difference in the kingdom of God. Whether that means I have to sacrifice it all or not. That I focus on what matters most. I need a direction where I can see and see that happen in my life. Where I can focus in on what God is doing. A direction that leads to loving one another. Overflowing love. Love that just pours out. That can't be contained. And a love that works together with one mind and one purpose. That I begin to see my part to play in this. That I begin to see my value and what I have to bring to the table. And that I don't have to be such and such or pastor so and so or this person or that person. But I know that God has created me to be me. And that is the part that I have to play in this. And that's the perfect part to play in this. And if that's your call tonight and you would say yes, I need that direction. Could you raise your hand? Amen. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.